0: This is the intro song for my asshole brain. (laughs) So this, in this episode, we will be discussing sensory processing disorder, and we have a guest this time, um, which kind of sounds like we haven't had guests. (laughs) We have another guest. (laughs) Yes, we have another guest, uh, our friend Stephanie. So we have two Stephanies in the room today, so that might be interesting. Hopefully you won't be confused. (laughs) I think
1: we sound different enough that it'll be okay. Hopefully. You might need to scoot a touch
0: closer so that we're all at the same volume.
1: This is nice, and it's going to tie in, but I've
0: never been told that I need to talk louder. (laughs) (laughs) Well, technically, I said you need to scoot closer, not that you need to talk louder. But it was the same essential point. Same gist. All right. So um, now this is actually something that, I don't have a lot of knowledge or experience with so I'm going to be handing over the reins quite a bit to um, Steph, guest Stephanie because <laughs> of her knowledge and experience with it I did as usual a little bit of research beforehand just to familiarize myself with it and again to understand how it impacts the brain because that's one of the things we always look at and sensory, sensory processing disorder is a term that encompasses a lot of different things because it really comes down to which sense is being affected and unlike what we were taught in school about five senses this website when I did, where I did my research said that there are eight so in addition to the normal you know being able to see, hear, taste, touch, there's also and smell, don't forget that one um, there is vestibular, which is uh, relates to the inner ear and balance. So people who struggle with this one can sometimes be classified as klutzy or clumsy and bump into things and struggle with balance. Uh, Proprioception—I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly—is the awareness of position and movement of one's own body. So it's like you can close your eyes and still know where your hands are. So that sensation of being able to know where your body parts are, even if you're not looking at them. <laughs> There's Sorry, I'm making weird faces because I'm baffled by that. Do you not know where your hands are when you close your eyes? Does your body just disappear? I guess I do, I just never thought
2: of. Oh, okay. Well, it's you don't
0: because yeah. it seems
2: I'm going to say I don't have I don't have that particular sensory issue, so that's not a thing yeah. that's weird that makes sense. Uh, to me, but I, guess.
0: I think we don't consider it a sense, but it is. Like yeah. the ability to know where your different body parts are. And then the last one is just an awareness and this one is called interoception, which is uh, being aware of the internal state of your body, so this can relate to things like hunger, fullness, thirst, and, and stuff like that. And so the, you can have a disorder where one of these is affected, and I think there's, you can have them where many of them can be. Um, and they can be varying degrees, as with many disorders, so some can be debilitating, whereas others can be just a bit of an annoyance. They do tend to appear more frequently in people who have ADHD or who are autistic. Um, but it's, with many disorders, a lot of times, the way that people react to this sometimes can make people seem as though that they might have learning disabilities or not have as high cognitive function, because when they get overwhelmed, sometimes they can act out or, if, or they can Um, try to shut out things by just drawing within themselves and so there's this perception that sometimes they're not as bright and in fact that's not true it's not linked to intelligence so even people who struggle with these things it's not a sign that they are developmentally disabled however because of the way it affects their ability to hear and see can affect learning and so it can create certain learning disabilities as a result of that but what basically happens with this is that the one site that I looked at calls it a neurological traffic jam where parts of the brain are not receiving the signals needed to interpret sensory signals correctly. So your brain doesn't know what to do with the stimuli that are coming in. And that's why it creates problems for people who suffer with this, which is about, let me see, one in 20 people. So it's not that rare. I don't think people have heard about it a lot, but in fact, it's somewhat common.
2: I think a lot of people also, depending on the issue, aren't aware that that's an issue. They either just think it's a quirk they have Mm -hmm. or they think everybody else has it too. They don't realize like, oh, other people don't do this thing. Yeah. So I think that's a lot of
1: it as well. I think that a lot of us were drawn to one, and I think it's a normal reaction adaptation but there was the meme of turning down the radio when you're lost yeah and it's because you're you know we I'm a just for some background I'm a physical therapist and so I did learn a lot about this in graduate school and I continue to learn it with my continuing education but um we talk a lot we use traffic a lot as a um as a visual for how the brain works and basically if you've got the music up and you're trying to think and visualize the streets and be able to see street signs and landmarks and traffic around you you basically have to quiet down the actual radio or yeah. the traffic noise so that you can do something else because you
0: have to limit distractions, so it makes total sense to mm-hmm. me that if you're trying to focus on something you've got to eliminate a distraction Yeah. And I've
1: I've been in the car with people, so that is one that I have to do, and I didn't realize that it was um, a thing that other people had it too. Another one that I have, which I've heard from other people who have low, like who have um, myopia, like I have, I've worn glasses and contacts since I was six. If I don't have my glasses or my contacts in, I can't hear you as well. And my husband always thought that I was just making it up he thought I was being weird and I'm like no I can't hear you as well if I because I would say hold on I can't I can't hear you let me put my glasses on He would laugh and it's just because everything all of your senses are tied so closely together that I couldn't locate where the sound was coming from so I couldn't hear it as well because I couldn't see where it was coming from.
0: Yeah, and I can actually understand that quite a bit because I will sometimes have to do that too. But for me, part of it is if I'm having, if there's a lot of outside noise and I'm trying to focus in on something, I really struggle with that. I've noticed uh, with background noise and I'm trying to watch TV, I really have a hard time focusing because there's other stuff going on. But also I noticed that I, will have to see the person's mouth. mouth. Moving. I and have that as well. So the, gla- the glasses are helpful for me because I'm nearsighted. And so if I can see your face better, I can read your expressions, I can see your mouth, and that also helps me understand what you're saying.
1: Yeah, and I think it also helps a lot for me personally with context because sometimes I have a hard time interpreting someone's voice if they're being sarcastic or being... You know sincere, mm-hmm. I have a hard time and I like to have get the visual clues. Um, so Amanda, kind of going back to a lot of it, um, is tied in with ADD, ADHD, and the spectrum. Um, the vestibular system, especially in kids, is not really developed yet, and so there is a continuum of sensory seeking versus sensory avoiding, and so. Children's vestibular systems need to be stimulated, and more and more we're asking them, sit still, sit still between 9 and 3.45, and, oh, we're going to take away your gym, and we're going to cut you down from three recess hours to one recess, 30 minutes, and they're just not stimulating their vestibular system moving, and that's why they fidget at their desks. They get up and walk around the class, and then they're, be- then they're labeled as a behavior problem but they just need to move. They just need to stimulate their vestibular systems. And so I don't know if either of you have ever seen it. I'm not sure that I've shared it, uh, but there was a big occupational therapy study. And personally, I, I do need to move quite a bit, but they um, they put bars under kids' desks and let them just swing their feet on the bar. Mm-hmm. That's really stimulating their proprioceptive system a little bit more, but they're all tied in together. and. They were able to concentrate better. They were getting better test scores because that's all we care about anymore. But they were just academically doing a lot better because they could constantly swing their feet under these desks. And it was just just that pendular motion all day long. Um, and then in most of your pediatric therapy clinics, they actually have a whole vestibular room, which is the most fun room in the, uh, in the clinic. But they have like a gigantic... Swing mm-hmm. and for some of these kids. They'll literally just put them on that swing and like whip them around the room <laughs> Because they need that stimulation and without it they They can't function they can't like like the disorder his title they can't process through anything else Because they get so distracted by it.
0: I've had students who really like to draw when they're listening to me teach and I'm not bothered by that. They, I've had a lot of students who said they used to get in trouble for doodling in class, but I read something that said that some kids need that, or adults even, to focus, that they need to be able to keep a, a hand busy and do, be doing something like that in order for them to concentrate, which seems counterintuitive because you would think, no, now they're being distracted by the drawing, so they can't listen fully, but in fact, having that distraction of doing that physical movement with their hand and the sketching allows them to focus more. And I also had a student who did a presentation several years ago talking about understanding how people learn differently and trying to come up with ways to teach kids in a way that fits for them. And it sounds like this is kind of taps into that, the Mm -hmm. idea that everybody's different, everyone learns differently. And one of the things that she talked about was um, teaching through, what was it, Is it kinesthesia or kinesthesiology?
1: Yeah, they're considered kinesthetic learners.
0: Yeah, so you teach them through motion and doing Mm -hmm. things with them, or at the very least, you allow them time to get up and move and take breaks before they they sit down and learn more. I don't know.
1: Um, I'm, I'm someone I have to sleep with a fan on or some sort of white noise, and there's some people who can sleep in total silence and... There was a study several years ago, and I printed it out and threw it in my husband's face. This is why I have to sleep with noise. (laughs) But it's, if you're in total silence, some people's brains are actually more active because they're searching for a noise, Mm. and their brain can't calm down unless they have a noise. When you have to figure in this day and age where there's
2: constantly things going on around you, constant noise, constant interaction, yeah, for a lot of people that would be very difficult to just hey here's nothing for eight hours we need you to just shut all that shit down
1: well and I, this is this has always been a fascinating subject to me is people who are in solitary confinement in a prison and what that does to their mind because they spend 23 hours a day they might hear occasional banging or screaming which isn't what you want to hear yeah, 23 not hours the right a day, day. Not, the, not good stimulus <laughs> no yeah. not good stimulation but you know, that's one of the things that they point to as the as one of the causes of the severe mental illness that follows even just a short stay in solitary confinement is the lack of
0: sensation. I find myself constantly needing distraction. Like I need noise in the background. On one hand, if I have too much noise, I get overwhelmed and it makes me very, mm-hmm. like my skin starts to feel thin and I get kind of twitchy and I'm like, there's so much noise, I'm going to freak the fuck out. I need quiet. But on the other hand, if I have too much quiet, I'm also uncomfortable with that, which is why I always have like, like I have my iPad and I'll have shows running in the background mm-hmm. while I'm doing menial tasks. I have, or I'll listen to podcasts. I I struggle with silence at the same time. Sometimes I know I need it and I wonder if It's unhealthy for me sometimes to have noise constantly because it doesn't give my mind time to completely relax. At the same time, I'm almost afraid of what would happen. Like, you know, there are some people who enjoy going into sensory deprivation tanks.
1: I have that on my notes. Do you? I've been in one, and I had to keep the door open. I would think I would freak out. I started to freak out. I've always wanted to try it because I really don't know which way I would go. So I was... 36 weeks pregnant when I did it mm-hmm. and I just it was part of a package that I got for my birthday and it included a prenatal massage and so they had the flotation tank and and so I thought well that's kind of cool and part of me thought maybe I can even like get an idea of what the baby's going through because you're laying in an enclosed space in a bunch of water right. um, so there were several issues with my flotation tank experience um, I tried to close the door and i couldn't get to full sensory deprivation because i was afraid that somebody was going to grab me which i know is completely irrational because you're in the thing but i couldn't be in the full silence and i couldn't be in the full dark so they did have um they did have some music playing but the other thing which kind of ties into why i brought up this subject with you in the first place was the way that they float is they get it to be like the Dead Sea, where it's ultra-salinated, yeah. and so you float. Well, the problem is I was lying on my back, which was something I hadn't been able to do because I was so pregnant. So at first it was really relaxing. But then the salt, you know, naturally some gets on your skin as you're getting in, and the salt that was on my exposed skin started to dry, and I could feel it, and I could not get over the tactile part of that and I I just (laughs) I got so itchy and I couldn't relax so
0: an itch for me is worse than pain yes I can kind of ignore pain and get used to it and just tune it out but if I itch I go fucking crazy I've had poison ivy a few times Uh. and it was so bad I thought I was gonna lose my mind because the itch was so terrible
1: I will and my dad hates this about me because in summer family photos I'm always covered in scabs, but I will itch to the point of pain. Like, I will scratch open a mosquito bite because then it's painful and I can deal with it. I yeah. can't deal with the itching. Yeah. I'm not allergic to any of the poison plants, so.
0: Count yourself so lucky. <laughs> yeah. I would take a broken limb over dealing with that <laughs> any day of the week because it was so terrible. Well, and
1: when you take pain medication, it, it you know, it. Dulls down the pain, and actually, what it's doing—the pain pain fibers in our body are very small, and pain can, in the absence of a chronic pain issue, be controlled pretty easily because the pain fibers are so small. Um, but itching, yeah, there's that's nothing a, to that's, take. that's a systemic <laughs> response. Like there's there's lots of stuff going on in there. Um, but I I have I have had people who did have a positive flotation tank experience. Mm-hmm. I Props to you. I don't know how you did it, but I just, I couldn't do it. And they, they come out of the flotation tank almost like in like a drugged state. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's some neuron firing and there's some release of something going on with that, but, but it wasn't for me. I, I had a student
0: tell me about it and how it was like just a magical experience and he couldn't wait to do it again. And I'm like, huh. I Um, I mean, I got to the point, again, it wasn't very
1: relaxing, but I had to keep putting the water on my skin, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, you have a massive pregnant belly just out there. It's nothing but skin. I had to keep putting the water on my skin because I couldn't deal with the dried up salt. And I mean, I literally had to, they have a shower in the room. You have to like brush it all off of you. So that was, that was too much. Um, but there's a, um, there's a sensory processing test. Now, I took one in grad school that was for... It was specifically for children. And it's it was an x-axis that went positive and negative, and then a y-axis that went positive and negative. And there were four different quadrants. And it was touch and... Um, I believe it was touch, auditory, food and drink, and then visuals. And you were... Classified as either a sensory seeker or sensory avoider and I had known that I didn't like Touch so I knew that I was a sensory avoider there But people who like really spicy foods and really flavorful foods Mm -hmm. They actually get put into the the spectrum of being a sensory seeker Mm -hmm. and then um, people who like thrill rides and to do, like, the adrenaline junkie things, mm-hmm. they're really trying to stimulate their vestibular systems. And really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I've always... So are th- those the
0: same kids that would spin in circles for yes. fun? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: So what, for auditory stuff, what would sensory seeking be? So that would be anyone who can... who likes going to, like, a loud concert. Okay. Um, I personally... I will listen to loud music if my mind is racing, mm-hmm. and the loud I listen to it loud enough, usually in earbuds, to drown out my thoughts, just to like quiet them down for a little bit and shut them up. Um, I don't I don't startle easily with um, loud noises.
0: Uh, that and that's something I struggle with, and that's actually something my youngest dealt with. He was, he still even to a certain degree, he's gotten much better about it, but. He had a real problem with noise when he was younger. He would startle easily, and and he would get angry, actually. He'd get really upset when when a loud, sudden noise occurred. And we did not sing happy birthday to him because it would make him cry (laughs) because it was too noisy. And, in fact, he never had, like, kids' parties growing up. He was never interested in having a bunch of friends over and having a party. And, in fact, he's often avoided going to other people's birthday parties. Mm -hmm. Like, we went to one We showed up and his friend was having a laser quest and we got there and it was so noisy and there's all this stuff that's going on and Xander's like, yeah, I don't think I want to stay. So we dropped off the present and he went home because it was just too much. And he's largely kind of withdrawn from certain things because he knows that it's going to be too loud. And we've taken him to a couple different amusement parks and he's not a fan of the rides and even the ones that are more laid back, like for kids. Uh, it's too much for him. And so sometimes I will even bring, uh, if we go to movies, especially if it's like an an action film, one, he hates the 3D, which I can't blame him. Because to be honest, they don't, but they play them so loud. I will bring little, um, the little earplugs Mm -hmm. for him because it's just too much. He started crying at the beginning of one of the Star Wars movies because it was so loud. And I spent the entire time, I had a napkin and I tore off pieces, shoved it in his ears, And then kept my hands over his ears for the entire movie because oh it was so loud he couldn't handle it. Oh Yeah, I
1: I tend... I don't startle easily with noises, but, like, today we took my son to... It's this place in Westchester called Jumpin' Jacks, and it's, like, an indoor playground, mm-hmm. and there's kids everywhere, and there's birthday parties. And I basically just shut down. Yeah. Like, I just... I go inside, and I go away. Yeah. And um, I was... I was marveling at my husband's ability to find both of the kids inside the playground really quickly and easily. And I couldn't, and I realized it's because I just, I couldn't there. The noise was so much. I, I, I don't really get visually overstimulated, but the noise was so much and it was just, I mean, it, it was cacophony. Like, yeah, I, I can handle loud noises like at concerts and I can do loud music. I can't just do well, so loud I can, music or loud I, people and right. places. Right, I'm going to say like
2: concerts, movies, to some degree I can handle mm-hmm. the loudness but yeah, if it's tons of people like we went to Skate World a couple like a week oh. ago and they've got a little jungle gym thing there now and like the kids screaming on the jungle gym and stuff or like even the kids yelling at each other back and forth on the floor. It was a lot. It's like I, I struggled a little bit with just how much noise there was. I yeah. could very easily be tortured
1: with noise. It's weird though because <laughs> I would go crazy sick. quick my daughter started crying in the middle of all of it, and that I could hear. Mm-hmm. And I was able to, like, focus in on that and take care of her in the moment. And then once she went back to playing, it was all gone again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody wants to joke about mom brain, and that means you're forgetting everything. And I think it's kind of cool how sometimes mom brain means that you can be there for your child regardless of what else is going I actually on.
2: read a thing the other day that's in it that was in a study and I can't remember where I was reading it. it said that the mom brain thing they said they've actually found in research that mothers get better memory mm-hmm. but they said it is specifically related to their children yeah they said women that have had children they said their memory actually improves but not overall they said as far as other things go not at all but for their children things related to you know their kids appointments and schedules and Probably things like that, like, you know, being able to pick your kid's one voice or scream out of, you know, dozens. That stuff actually does improve.
1: And my husband is, I mean, he's good at it. He's, he's a really good father. And like I said, I was just amazed that he was able to, like, visually spot them and keep track of them the whole time.
0: But he, he can't hear their voices in a crowd. I this—I don't know if this is a gender thing or not, but I've noticed men are much better at tuning out sounds then and my experience has been that both my ex-husband I would wake up at the drop of a hat when our kids started making any little noise and I if it was his turn to do something I would have to w- I'd have to wake him up I'd have to like shake him awake because the sound of them crying wasn't doing it whereas it was I was awake instantly and even my current husband he is very good at just when there's a lot of stuff going on just focusing on a single thing but to the extent where I will be talking to him and saying his name and he will still just be like zeroed in on Mm -hmm. that one thing. And I'm like, how do you even do that? Because I cannot block out all of that and focus on a single thing. I'm hearing everything that's going on. I might be trying not to pay attention to it, but I'm hearing it. And the moment someone says mom or my name, I'm right back into what they're doing. I I can't just get, it's it's like tunnel hearing instead of tunnel vision.
1: I know, along with the hearing thing, and kind of going back to the visual thing, we've talked about this before. I have to have the captions on the TV. Yeah, I've done it since I was twelve years old and figured out how to turn the captions on our televisions. I and especially if it's any sort of dialect or accent, um, like we recently got into watching Doctor Who, and I have to watch. I actually the captions. do surprisingly
2: well without captions on dialects and accents and stuff. I've mm-hmm. never had a problem with that, but I I watch everything with captions, and that's only been, like, the last probably 10 years where it finally clicked, like, I like things better when they have captions on. Yeah. I know what's going on better when it has, and it really was not a thing that ever occurred to me, and, like, there are movies that I watch over and over where when I started watching stuff with captions, there were whole sections of the movie I had no idea happened, and yeah. these are movies that I had watched 10, 15 times before, I missed whole sections before because I apparently didn't have the captions. So like under, like things that were said sort of under people's breaths or just like even like somebody's voice changed in tone from something they'd said before, I
0: completely missed. But then I can't focus on the, I'm spending so much time reading, I can't focus (laughs) on what's going on. But at the same time, I've had situations either if they have dialect or if they're muttering, we we'll be watching something and we'll go back and I'll, we'll replay it three times and i'll be like i have no idea what the fuck they just said but there'll be times where sometimes it's because it's illegible but there's other times when i swear to god it's almost like they switched to a foreign language yeah? Yeah. and i'll be listening i'm like what the it doesn't even it's not that i misheard it it it, it sounds like gibberish and go back and then i'll listen again and I notice I usually have to squint. <laughs> so I'll be squinting and leaning right. forward Cause and listening. you have to squint to hear better. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. and then I can pick it up, but it's like for just those three seconds while that, that line was being said, all of a sudden I couldn't understand English. And it was so, it's very bizarre.
1: Yeah, I, and I, like I said, I've always been that way. I used to drive my family nuts. It was one of the things that I had to make sure... If I was going to be home by myself for any period of time, I would turn the captions on the TV, and I would get yelled at if somebody else came home and I had forgotten to turn them back off. <laughs> that is nice and great. shit out of them.
2: Captions show up on all of my shit immediately, automatically. It's
1: wonderful. Well, it was like a, it was a relationship thing for me. I like from the very beginning. It was like, you know, I knew it about myself. So when Tom and I started to get kind of serious, I'm like, listen. I know you've seen it on my TV in my dorm room. This is how it is. Cause this is never going to change. No, it's not going to change. The The fan has always been non-negotiable. Now, I also used to be one of those people, and I think a lot of it goes back to just fear of the night, but I used to have to sleep with the TV on, like a sleep timer, but the volume all the way down. Like, I couldn't listen... I couldn't like have it on. So you wanted the light for. But minute. I had to. I had to see the light, and it couldn't just be a light. It had to be like the there flickering. Had to be mm-hmm. yeah. And I don't know what that was about. That one I've been able to break myself of. I wonder if like oh. an aquarium would work for that.
0: I had an aquarium. And it does have
1: the sound sometimes. I had an aquarium in my. It just makes me have to pee though. Oh. <laughs> um, I had an aquarium in, the, in my um in my room in high school. Um. So for a lot of things, I'm a sensory seeker. Like I have to have like really good food. I'm getting ready to go on a trip with a friend of mine. And I know that I'm going to want to go on this trip again. We're going to New York. And to me, I'm like New York, international food everywhere. And she likes to eat at Applebee's and TJ Chomps. Oh. <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm going to have to go again because we're not going to be able to compromise on restaurants. Um, so I'm a sensory seeker there. I'm a sensory seeker with. I love rides, roller coasters, things like that. Um,
0: I like them, but I don't like ones that just drop. So I'm fine with a coaster, but I don't want things that drop. Yeah. that's I don't enjoy that at all. So we went to um, Disney World. and, and The with Tower the of Tower Terror? Tower. I would. That's one it. of my favorites. I, I think I'm okay it.
1: because I'm sitting down. Maybe if I go back, I'll have to try it. And the interesting I thing about don't. that ride is it doesn't tap into... It doesn't tap into a free fall because it's actually faster than, than the speed of gravity. So you're not dropping, you're actually being pulled hmm. down. The, the car, it, I, I'm using the term drop, but it's not necessarily that it drops. The car is actually being pulled down faster than the speed of gravity. So does it is it a different sensation than it if is. you're doing another type mm-hmm. of drop? So you're and not dropping, you're being pulled. It still, gives you your stomach, <laughs> it still gives you the stomach feeling, like if you go over like a hill yeah. and you're going a little too fast, but um, it, it doesn't quite tap into the same as like a free fall or like those, um, I haven't done one, I'm going to try it once, but those um, water slides where the bottom drops out. Like at Volcano Bay at oh, Universal, yeah. they have one. It sounds and, horrifying yeah i didn't ride
0: any of those because when we took xander again doesn't like any of those things so w- the only thing he would do was the wave pool and the lazy river <laughs> <laughs> so spent several hours there have no idea what the slides are right oh, no. like. <laughs> did you go for the top lazy, lazy river, river is wonderful
1: though,
0: lazy so. river the, but the, the, they have they have like a fast lazy river too I at don't that remember,
1: park i thought i
0: can't remember i know the one that we went on it was it was It was decently paced, like it wasn't super slow. It had a nice current, and it was mildly lazy. Yeah, (laughs) and it was kind of cool because it it's semi lazy. We did go and there's a part where you go in the into like the big volcano, and there's lights and this, and then they dump a bunch of water on you. Oh my god! That I, I have the issue with cold though. Like I really do not like the sensation of cold. And so even I used to love the water when I was a kid but as I've gotten older like the idea of jumping into a cold pool or yeah. even there the water wasn't freezing but it was cold enough and it was sudden every time we get close I, I'd be like oh god brace yourself <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so my husband
1: he's always called me a cat and a lot of the things that I when I was going through the sensory processing there was two different questionnaires that I took that are specifically for adults and I took them today and one of them is if you score more than 33% and i scored a 73 it said you might have a problem the oh, other wow. one <laughs> was a very long checklist and it was it was you did it on your own and then you presented it to a, a therapist so mm-hmm. i didn't get a score from that but one of the ones that fascinated me was water mm-hmm. and water avoidance and you don't like if somebody splashes you no. or flicks water on you and i i can't wait to pull up the research behind it and again show it in my husband's face because if my, my dad has a pool in the summer, and I can't get into a pool unless it's 85 degrees. Because yeah. I really need it to be hot for me to jump into a pool. Um, but they'll, he'll splash me, or the kids will splash me, or they'll get me with a water gun. And I'm yeah. like, oh, my God, I hate that. It makes me and he, mad. <laughs> they fucking always say, well, you're already in the water. Why are you so upset about getting wet? And it's like, no, it's not that I'm upset that I'm getting wet. I don't like it on my face. And then I can't do I've only recently started to do it. And I still have the fear, or it does something to me, but I can't put my face in the shower. Like, I have to, it, when I'm washing my face in the shower, I have to cup the water mm-hmm. and then bring it up to my face. I can't just put my face under the stream. Um, but that was one that came up, was that you don't like being out in the rain, mm-hmm. being in the shower. And I I like showers. You know, you, you got to shower. I would hope so. It's a, a lot faster than bathing, yeah. but I don't like the water on my face. Um, and I don't like to be splashed. See, and I like, like water, water in
2: all forms. Literally, you could splash it on. I mean, don't dump cold water on me. That's just fucked up. Did you do
1: the ice bucket challenge? <laughs> that, I didn't do that
2: because that was fucking stupid and annoying to watch. Um, but, you yeah, know, flick me, spray me with water. I could probably, assuming it
1: wasn't like ice cold, frigid,
2: like you would die in 10 minutes, I will get in any water.
1: I, I, now, I like to be in water. I, I like yeah. to be on the... And the one that I didn't identify with was... You are okay being in water, but you can't stand the sensation. I don't necessarily enjoy the sensation of sand, but I have such joy at a beach that I can tolerate it. And so for a lot of my um, sensory issues, it's it's almost like a like a cost benefit mm-hmm. <laughs> ratio. Like the benefits of being at the beach and getting in that like Caribbean warm water outweighs the discomfort of having sand on me. And so I I can deal with it.
0: I don't mind walking through sand, I actually, as long as it's not scorching hot, I actually kind of enjoy that sensation. Because I consider myself kind of a tactile person. I really like feeling different things. If I go to a fabric store, I'm walking down touching everything I'm looking at. If I see something that looks interesting, I want to touch it. So like, if someone has a sweater that looks really soft, I'm like, oh, can I touch your sweater? Like, It seems a little creepy, but when I see something that looks like it's either interesting and I've not touched something that feels like that before, or if it looks like it's going to be silky, I want to touch it. In fact, I, I was not like a thumb sucker or pacifier user when I was a little. I had a blanket with a satin edge. And I that's actually very soothing to me mm-hmm. is to rub those types of things. But So I actually enjoy the sensation of the sand if I'm walking on it or even if I'm putting it in my hands and squeezing it. But I hate it when it gets into things. Like I need it to be in its place. And if it gets out of its place, that's when I I don't like it.
1: And I, I like I can walk barefoot on the beach, but if I have to put on, like, sandals or shoes, that's when I start, like, okay, fuck this. The beach isn't that great. I need to go.
0: Because it starts Because, because it grinding and, and rub- yeah. yeah. I don't like that that either. And But I think that's also because it, at that point it becomes a very unpleasant sensation because there's friction there. Whereas just walking on it, it's not grating against mm-hmm. your skin so much. Um, a lot of my sensory issues don't... You know,
1: I, I brought up the um, the comparison to OCD. P- there's people who are particular, people who have to have things a certain way, and then there's people who actually have a disorder where it affects their life. And most of my sensory stuff doesn't affect my life. I have had to have my family make adjustments, like my husband. Um, But the one where it kind of does affect my life is the touch. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to touch things. I like to feel things. I touched your necklace last night because it looked like Mm -hmm. it had a cool texture to it. Um, But I don't like to... It was a big dick. I was like, I want this necklace.
0: It was good because I bought you one for your birthday. Oh, no. Yay.
1: (laughs) It was very pretty. But um, (laughs) I don't like to be touched, but again, it goes back to that whole seeking and avoiding. Um, I don't like to be touched in like a soft, and I hate to use the word casual way because then that sounds just super weird. <laughs> but like if somebody comes up and just like brushes like my arms, yes, I, it, it's almost like it lights up my nerves and I, I have to turn them off and I have to turn them off by like really giving like a lot of push. It's um, like you're
0: erasing it almost. Yes, I am. It. I, I have to all. erase it.
1: And I will, um this is I've embarrassed Tom and my mom and my parents and my kids are not embarrassed yet. But <laughs> they'll um, get they there. will he calls me the princess and the pea because mm-hmm. if there's I can feel a hair in my sock uh-huh. and I will stop wherever the fuck I am (laughs) take off my shoe and my sock I don't care if I'm in the middle of a store or I'm trying to think of places where it has been inappropriate for me to take off my I mean he does get pretty embarrassed when I take off my shoe and I'm standing there barefoot in the middle of the store with just one foot um but I have to get the hair and he won't believe me either and then when I pull the hair out he's like how did you feel that I don't know. Just
0: trust me. Um, <laughs> it's there.
1: <laughs> and the the hair on the back of your arm. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know that it annoys everybody, but I literally can't focus on, I I, I go deaf. I can't hear what you're saying I just sit at my desk me. and fidget for a solid 20 minutes trying to get a piece yeah. of
2: hair off my shirt that's rubbing on my arm.
1: And then when, it, when I do, I have to basically erase it. I have to rub the skin. And there are um, various receptors. There's light touch receptors and there's... Um, deep touch receptors. There's mechanoreceptors, which is just basic touch, and then there's deep pressure receptors, and those different receptors carry impulses up different parts of your spinal cord and into your midbrain, which is the lizard brain, <laughs> and into like the main part of your brain, um, the cerebral cortex, and. I don't know if there's some underdevelopment, overdevelopment there, but I really, and so I have a weighted blanket. Your husband actually made it for me. My husband commissioned him. He said he's never going to make one again. I don't blame him. <laughs>
0: it took a long
1: time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for me, I know a lot of people say that it reduces their anxiety. It's not about reducing my anxiety. the in that way. It reduces my anxiety because I know nothing is going to touch me when I have the blanket on. No. And so Tom was That's really worried. It's a barrier Yes, you. it's a barrier. Tom was really worried that it was so heavy. But I like that it's heavy because it means that probably nobody's going to be taking it off of me to <laughs> touch me. Um, can't lift blankets. <laughs> Not worth it.
0: But so, I Actually, mean, I do,
1: like... I get nervous around very touchy people just because I can't predict when they're going to touch me, where they're going to touch me, and what pressure they're going to use. And so I usually, I will try to hug people when I first see them, and I can, you know, I'll I'll give a hug, because we tend to mirror and mimic, so I'll give a hug at like the Intensity that I would want to be hugged. And yeah. I'm like, okay good. We've hugged. Can we just not touch anymore, yeah, please? Like, we, there's we no more need There's no more need to touch me anymore And I, but I do think about when I've been drinking and you know drinking lowers all of your inhibitions And I will actually start to get kind of touchy with people. Yeah, and I think it's just because that part of me has been Dampened and yeah, do going down
2: say damaged and I'm like that's accurate too.
1: <laughs> Yeah uh, but yeah, I just I get really nervous, so I think that the, the touch is one that has actually affected my life. Um,
0: I get that though, like it doesn't cause sensory issues for me, but I personally just kind of like it's an intimacy thing for me, mm-hmm. and I'm incredibly awkward about how to do it correctly, which sounds stupid. But, like, when we went to France and you're supposed to kiss people on the cheek, they do it differently. And I would always stress out because I'm like, so sometimes they'll actually kiss you. Sometimes they just touch their cheek to you. Sometimes they just do, like, the air kiss. And you never know what they're right. going to do. So I'd get really anxious. Like, am I going to over-kiss them or under-kiss right? them? Or, or? Am I going to accidentally kiss them on the mouth because we both go in the same thing? It's the same reason why I don't like, I don't like doing high fives. I don't like doing stuff like that because it's like, this is, there's a, too great a chance for this to go terribly wrong and I'm gonna fuck it up it's I don't hug for a lot of the reason like do I go to the right do I go to the left do my hands go above or below like where do I put <laughs> my arms I spend so much time thinking about how I'm supposed to do it that I'm just like fuck I don't want to do it. It. it now I have a question <laughs> for you these people and friends did you know them it was when we were being introduced to people or greeting somebody that right before. I, I couldn't. No, it was... I mean, I went along with it, but it was not... It, it was a source of stress for me. And it wasn't because I was eked out by being touched. It was more like the rules that you're supposed to well and well, what you're supposed, supposed to do culturally
2: different from what we yeah do i'm not yeah.
0: i didn't grow up doing it so i yeah. i couldn't do it with ease like i can shake people's hands and it doesn't bother me at all but anything more complicated or that requires a certain amount of coordination or judging what the other person is doing yeah. that's when i get nervous now i so- handshakes
2: bother me some because literally i feel their hand on my hand for like a solid two and a half to three hours
1: later i just like don't like regardless good... <laughs> of whether or not like i'm washing her. phantom hand. have hands. you <laughs> tried have you tried erasing it okay so sometimes i yeah, call it, it rubbing it out, it out and tom's like head no head you can't no. do that
2: yeah incorrect do not use that term no like because like every once in a while i'll get clients at work that want to shake hands and i as opposed to a lot of my coworkers who literally will not touch anything that is not them or the things they own know. so they will not shake anybody's hand, let alone clients, I don't have a problem with it. But, like, regardless of whether I wash my hands or use hand sanitizer or anything afterward, like, I feel that pressure still on my hand for, like, hours afterward. Like, to the point where I'll be sitting there and be like, why does my hand feel weird? And I'm like, oh, yeah, because that person shaked my hand. I can still feel it. See, and
1: I I don't like handshakes. And I don't, I, I know they say, you know, a strong handshake, whatever. And there was a study that showed that a strong handshake actually correlates to a longer life. Okay, fine, whatever. Uh-oh. I don't judge somebody's strength, either personality or physical strength, based on their handshake. But if someone has a weak handshake, I have to erase it. It I, does. It does. I have to rub my own hands together because I can't. And working in healthcare, you know, I will, and I'm going into people's homes, so I will shake their hands when I when I introduce myself, and I'll shake their family members' hands because I'm coming into their home and I want to respect them. If someone has a weak handshake because they're eighty five and they just got out of a three week stay, you know, in the hospital, I I do find myself as I'm doing my interview just rubbing my hands together just. Which is probably guys are nice going like ugh, like yeah. shaking your hand. Down. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. the 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 doctor who delivered my third, um, he had. A friend of mine at the time had also had him a doctor and said something along the lines of, you know, that that she didn't like him very much, but she couldn't put her finger on why. Because it was, it was a place you know, where they have several doctors there and you don't know who's going to be on call mm-hmm. when you deliver. So you end up having to, you may have one doctor you see the majority of the time, but you end up having appointments with all of them so that we could meet them at least so if they showed up, that it wasn't the first time we'd ever seen them. And so the first appointment I had with him, I met him, he shook my hand and it was like the lamest fucking handshake in the world. And so when I talked to my friend after, I'm like, is the reason you didn't like him was because of his handshake? And she was like, yes, that's it. <laughs> now the thing is he did an amazing job. There was some... Um, complications, and he was wonderful and calm and super, super friendly, so he ended up probably being the, the, the best doctor. I had three different doctors for my kids, um, and so he was probably my favorite, but that weak-ass handshake made a re- I would I would rather just don't shake my hand, honestly. Like If you're just going to kind of be like, meh, it, yeah. don't do it. It's fine. We don't have to touch. I don't like that. <laughs> we don't need to
1: do that. Well, I get freaked out working in home care, because I have relatively long hair and it's um very fine and I do I do feel it all over (laughs) but now I work in home health care so I'm like oh god it's not a bug I need I need to pull over (laughs) like oh it's just terrible I can't I can't stand. I would honestly if I thought that I would look okay and not absolutely despise myself I would be okay with a bald head because I wouldn't have to deal with the hair touching me And I just I can't do those light, very fine touches. Even talking about it has (laughs) like. But and so people, the the question that always eventually gets asked. Very few people have ever asked me this. Like right off the bat, like, well, how do you have kids? I'm like, oh, you mean how do I have sex? And they're like, oh, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, we're Amish. It's it's awkward, (laughs) but it works.
0: (laughs) Gets the job done.
1: But so one of the things that came up on this survey was the the one that I didn't get a score for, but it talked about sexual behaviors and it talked about rough sex to the point of abuse. And I'm like, whoa, okay. I didn't realize that. So, so for some people who like that, it's actually part, it could be part of a so sensory, sensory processing part. thing. And I think about the people who I've talked to in my life, and I'm like, yeah, I think for some people it makes sense. Other people, I'm like, no.
0: But well, you I do can't... get an endorphin release with pain, so I can yeah. see why that would also play well, especially into Especially if it. you find something like
2: sex or the intimacy of it to be unsettling or nerve wracking, and not necessarily like a sensory. You're talking about yourself? <laughs> not, I don't think so. I don't know. I have to think about that. Oh, um, I don't know. Oh, God. Uh,
1: sorry. <laughs>
0: Oh God! I should have asked. Crisis.
2: <laughs> um,
1: but you know that, like you said, with the endorphin release, that mm-hmm. that pressure could be. Mm-hmm. I, I, I there's, there's definitely been a time. No, I, I'm fine, and I think, I think it goes back to sex is very meaningful, and there, you, you, like, I don't mean meaningful like we're having a connection because no, fuck that, but it's more about. The touch has a purpose, and... Now, if I was with someone who was, like, super touchy-feely and was, like, trying to be super sensual, like, in the movies, I I couldn't be <laughs> like, with that person feathers again. feathers and be like, I'm going to No, that no, do no. That, Yeah, that made my whole body... You will not find one of those in my drawer.
2: Um, <laughs> that made my whole body... Ch- yeah, I, I couldn't do anything like that, but... Well, yeah, what you're saying is, like, that... There's a purpose and an anticipation to that being the like that's expected because you're kind of going into like oh this is where we're going with this as opposed to a random person that keeps reaching over and like yes touching touching your your hand or touching your knee well and
1: again cost cost benefit sex is fun you know it feels good so or it should I can deal with some of the sensory issues here because
0: yes. And um. I do think it's okay for sex to be meaningful in an intimate <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 i
1: <laughs> like, I think it's funny
0: that like somebody coons like giggles and then you're like, Oh no, not like that. I'm like, <laughs> no, not in the flower <laughs> <laughs> I <I'm, I'm laughs> so like the Stephanie's like Meanwhile I'm like, Am I doing it wrong?
1: <laughs> no, I, I think it's nice. I like to have emotion. I like the
0: connection. <laughs> it's the only time I feel comfortable being emotionally connected to another person. <laughs> oh
1: gosh. Otherwise, I'm, it's no trouble. It's like the
0: last time I
2: want to be emotionally connected. It's it's weird. People That's not always, know what this is for. There are bits and bobbles.
0: And <laughs> clearly, we're wired differently.
1: Squishes. I do. I do come across though because I'm not touchy feely, and I I have issues. I don't like. I don't like unnecessary shows of emotion. <laughs> so people think that I'm just like this, like horrible evil cut off person I'm like no I'm not I'm I'm now do you find do you have trouble with like because little kids
2: are all about climbing on and touching do you have trouble with that with your kids where like they want to
1: like like snuggle on you all the time or like hover and because it's a constant pressure and I I don't kids make me nervous only because they're unpredictable with their touch, like when they're going to touch you. Mm -hmm. But I don't have a problem with kids because they, it always sounds dirty when I say this, but if someone's going to touch me, I want them to mean it. And so kids, when, when kids are coming to touch you, they're putting their hands on you Mm -hmm. and it's like a solid pressure. Um, And I, I do do better with my kids, but now that, God damn it. Now that you've said that, I have had people, when I when I said that I didn't want kids in my 20s, I think I did avoid kids. And so people thought that I just wasn't going to be a good mother. So when I said I didn't want kids, people were like, that's probably a good choice. Right. Yep. <laughs> okay. Because I know, my old roommate, I know like she would, and again...
2: The way kids are when they, like, they want to be, like, they're on you and they, like, they climb and they, you know, kind of, like, are constantly... She, I would... She would get very infuriated with her son because he would just, like, that constant, like... And I don't know if it was as much the touch as it was the sort of nagging aspect to it. Mom, like, right. Like, even Mom, when he, even not when he like, was just not trying not to be affectionate, <laughs> she would yeah. have times where she's like, I... Like, so, we are not doing the touch thing. Like, she's not big on being hugged and things like that anyway. <laughs> She and I might get along, right? And so that's where I we wouldn't to touch, touch she, each other ever, yeah. because she would, because like even like joking around, like touching her arm and stuff drove. See, her you insane. got really close. To my yeah, head. it drives her insane, and I unfortunately kind of picked on her for that and probably was mean about it sometimes. But like I would notice, she would have times with her son where she would be like, "We're not hugging right now. This is so not a hugging."
1: Time. There is a real phenomenon, and I was glad that I got a name for it. And it wasn't until Annalise was a baby. I don't think she was quite a newborn, but she was still an infant. And it was about being, moms being touched out. Mm -hmm. And I identified with that so hard, Mm -hmm. it actually made me cry. And it was real, especially because I was nursing at the time. Um, And I had Vincent, who was three. And he was a jealous older brother, as they are when a new baby comes in. So I definitely felt that and it got to the point where by the time so at the time Tom and I were working opposite schedules kind of I would go into work at normal times Monday Wednesday Friday he would go to work 10 hours Monday Wednesday Friday and then Tuesday and Thursday I didn't start my patients until noon he would work from five in the morning until 11 and come home and we would switch off um, cause my job's really flexible. So there were two days a week that we were both home alone for extended periods of time with the kids. And so by the time he got home from work and then I went to see all my patients and I, you know, that's another thing. People are like, well, how are you a physical therapist? I'm like, well, I've worked in hospitals or home care. Hospitals where I'm preparing people to go home to be on their own or home care where if I'm having to touch them and there's nobody there, there's a real big problem. And we got to call social work cause they can't get can't take care of themselves right. so I don't know if that's one of, you know maybe an underlying reason why I like what I do but by the time I got home I didn't want to be touched at all and you know even that that time after I got home we would have dinner put the kids to bed by that time I had reached my limit and I was touched out and I will say that like in an intimacy way it was it was real like it affected it quite a bit I'm like I don't want to be touched um, if it's okay, I kind of want to go back to something from the beginning sure. when you were um, kind of doing the intro. And again, because I knew about well, I knew about vestibular and proprioceptive and interoceptive. And um, I work with, especially now that I'm in home care, I work with a lot of the elderly. And we actually do testing because there's a lot of balance issues with the elderly. And there's a lot of balance issues... And a lot of, a lot of it gets, gets attributed to safety awareness. So in the brain of someone with Alzheimer's or dementia, their brain is physically shrinking. Um, you can see in CTs and MRIs, it, there's more black space than there is gray or white inside the skull. Um, but what we do um, testing... But we're looking at how much are they using vision for their balance? How much are they using their inner ear? How deteriorate are their joints? Because your proprioceptive centers are in your joints. So it mm-hmm. sounds bionic and crazy, but there are actually sensors in all of your joints and then in your muscles that let you know. And the way it, the way you know your proprioception is there's this much pressure mm-hmm. on this joint. It means that this joint is at X angle. So... Um, You know, we would, and they are all related. So we would close our eyes and say, or we would open our eyes and say, let's flex our thumbs, you know, our our fingers to 90 degrees. And then we would close our eyes and try to do it. And it's a lot harder to do with your eyes closed because you no longer have that visual input. So when we're looking at some of our elderly patients, we look at, is it the vision? Is it their inner ear? Is it their proprioception? You know, I have to wonder with their shrinking brains, do they literally, and a lot of them we write it off, cognitive issues yeah. are, are going to, you know, they're always going to be a fall risk. And I think it's still true. I, It's not going to change it, but it would be interesting to know if, if it's a breakdown in the joints because of arthritis, is it a breakdown in the inner ear because of the natural aging process, um, or is it that their brains are shrinking and they just can't process the... The incoming messages from those centers, um, and if you can identify it, then that may give you hope to find better ways to treat it. And that's what we do. the the um, The machine is called the Balance Master, and actually, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> the, uh, actually, you are harnessed into too. <laughs> anyway. Um, right. <laughs> the um, the Wii Balance Board was was a a very basic form of that Hmm. and I don't know if you ever got on it but you would get on it and it would tell you that like you're you're putting more weight into your right leg so it, it would give you games and activities and you have this little like x that you're trying to move into a spot and hold it there and so that's what we do with the patients is we might put different goggles on them to give them different Um, visual input or to change their visual input so that their vision is not affecting them as much or we'll put a weighted vest that helps with a lot of our Parkinson's patients if we put a weighted vest on them we're giving them more proprioceptive input Hmm. so they can move a little bit better. Huntington's is one where they can't put their body parts where they want to it's a problem in the cerebellum and if we put a weight on their ankle it gives that proprioceptive input so the body knows and the only you know one of the reasons that when you see someone who's doing the you know the crazy arm motion Mm -hmm. it's because the body doesn't know what's going on and it's trying to find something you put a weight on that wrist and the arm actually calms down because it's getting that input and so there
0: was a video of a man who suffered from parkinson's and his daughter had found something similar for mm-hmm. him. And he was, it was something on his wrist, and he was able to write his name legibly for the first time in years. Yeah.
1: And that's why um, occupational therapists will give, um, they'll give Parkinson's patients weighted utensils, and they can feed themselves again. Or they have a cup that has so many you know, kilograms in the bottom of the cup, and they can actually bring it up to their mouth because it's providing the extra input they need.
0: So I have a tendency to get clumsy around my period. I like to run the hmm. walls. Like I don't fall down so much, but I have a tendency to, uh, right around the pre-menstrual stage, not be able to gauge the distance between my shoulders and a corner. And so I will frequently cut it too close and run into corners. And it's around that time. And it's funny because I'll, I'll do it and I'll be like, huh. And I'll look at my calendar and I'll be like, yep, that's it. And I thought it was just a weird thing, but apparently it's not uncommon. There are a lot of women who have that issue. Mm -hmm. And I I would be curious to know why that is, like why we lose that ability to figure out where the fuck we are in relation to everything else.
1: I think physiologically it would just be a rush of hormones. And the hormones may, again, add to the traffic jam of... Inputs that your brain so is getting So basically it's your crazy vagina
0: Oh yeah that, Isn't that always the answer yep, yep. It's your crazy the vagina, the vagina again. Yeah,
1: like, I just recently <laughs> got rid of my uterus And things have been a lot better so uh, But they you might, do still have a vagina I do, Well yeah And ovaries So I'm okay
0: So you still got the hormones and stuff, Yeah I still <laughs> have Oh my gosh
1: And the, the, see that's that's been the weird thing for me Is trying to figure out like I'm crazy as right now what is going on I, I, i'm never gonna know or i'll never have the you know the physical evidence you just so. have to start tracking it yeah just, like, <laughs> super crazy that day yeah. and but now no, I, get I, I, get, I get a lot of boob pain so i do know. <laughs> um oh man it's been it's been weird having cycles since since the uh Uterus is gone. We well, you know they
0: say men have them too. That they have emotional cycles just like women do. The only difference is they're not accompanied by menstruation, so they tend to not notice it or realize that that's what's going on. But that it, they have the same thing. I mean, it makes sense. They have hormones
2: too.
0: So it's you know. true. It's true. And they have. They have the same <laughs> science. science. Science says men have hormones. They, say,
1: you know, they're, they're the same hormones just in different levels. Right. So it
0: does make sense. I can say as far as touch goes, I'm okay with... I'm not super touchy-feely, but I fucking hate it when people poke me. Like When people tap me or poke me to get my attention, it makes me angry. See, I see it coming, so it's all right, but...
2: (laughs) I'm not bothered. Like, I was actually sitting there thinking, it, I'm like, I guess I would fall under sensory seeking for touch. I like being touched. I need touch. I am one of those people that, like... (laughs) Like, you could just sit there and pet me. And I... I I fucking love it.
0: Well, if you're touching my hair, that's a different story. Like, the moment someone touches my hair, I'm just like... (gasps) Instantly relaxed. Definitely
2: that. I had an ex that like petting my head, and other than some other relationship issues, were obviously a problem. The fact that he thought I was a dog, I don't know. <laughs> I absolutely loved. Like, I mean, I would lay there, and he would just pet now, my hair. Did
0: he give you treats and say good, Stephanie? Because <laughs> he maybe- did not
2: actually. So maybe he didn't think I was a okay. puppy.
0: Um,
2: and then like the audit, like the only uh, processing thing I have is auditory. Like I miss things in like sequences. Of you know like lists and things so I have processing stuff there yeah but
1: I the touch is the biggest thing for me um, but like when I took the one in grad school that we that gave you the quadrants I was not anywhere near the middle for any <laughs> any of the quadrants <laughs> some of my classmates would be like off in one of the corners but for the most part they'd be like centered around that middle yeah. I was not anywhere near any. And the of middle that.
2: was like the neurotypical. Yes,
1: yeah, it's so like the top of like the top of a bell curve. So yeah. you've got people on the low end, and I've I've met some people like this, and we've actually talked. So like, if I, I, I can get a massage, I can still get a massage. I will get bruises because I'm afraid to tell the person that's too hard <laughs> because I'm afraid they're going to go too light, and then I'm paying eighty bucks. To There's just so need so gently tapping you, you with your yes. <laughs> Um uh, But then I've talked to people who don't like big hugs. Like I have to, and I think that's why I've always been more attracted to taller guys because I feel like they can hug me better. That's I mean, like being encapsulated in a, in a hug versus just like, like cocooned. Yes. Can you just yes.
0: carry me around an adult-sized baby Bjorn? I would love it. <laughs> um, I want to be your. Joey, your little baby kangaroo.
1: <laughs> but I get, I, I get used to. Like, I know who of the people that I, you know, spend time in my life. My sister in law is a light toucher, mm. and I have to brace myself <laughs> and um, be prepared for it. But yeah, I, with with sensation, I'm all over the place. I seek food quite a bit, which explains a lot. But I, if, if I was going to, maybe that's what I should do. If I was going to be on a bland diet, I would I, that I would lose a Dude. lot of weight because I would not eat. That's um, the Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen Right? right? <laughs> yeah. Or like, I really identify with the white people cook chicken meme. <laughs> um, what is, how can you eat it? It has no flavor. So I, yeah, food, I'm a seeker. Um, Sense, I'm an avoider. I, if someone has a really strong perfume or cologne I can't tolerate it um, now this is weird I don't really like the smell of flowers but especially from a floral shop but it also makes me it also makes me think of all the funerals I've ever been to no. <laughs> so I just I, I don't know if it's I don't like the scent or I don't like the memory the memories yeah but if I um, I have... Accidentally, um, before I this is how I learned. I've gotten into a bathtub with bath salts, bath pearls, bubble bath, and then shampoo and body wash, and I've thrown up because it was all too, <laughs> too many much. Different yeah, so I can't like. Um, we have a nice big soaking tub now. It was it was on our must have list when we bought the house, and Tom will do. He's so mad at me. he will do a bath bomb and bubble bath sometimes. I can't. I can't even, like, walk in the I can't the if they room. are the
2: same scent or they're... Where do you find those? It's rare. Okay. Like, lavender stuff is about mm-hmm. your best I can't scent. do lavender. Yeah. But, be... like, if it's the same scent or complementary, yeah. I can mix. Well, and I... But it's difficult to do, especially because all that stuff's so heavily perfumed. Yeah.
1: I did have a massage once at Square One, and it was an aromatherapy massage, and it was the last I've ever had because I couldn't do it. It was, it was too much sense. And I'm like, I'm paying money to be uncomfortable now. So I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore.
0: Um, When I was pregnant with my daughter, I had issues, two very strong smells. Like my sense of smell was very sensitive and anything that smelled too strong, even if it was a, a pleasant odor, we had to go to, I had to stop using regular detergent when i wash clothes i had to go everything fragrance free because anything that smelled too strong made me sick to my stomach mm-hmm. and what's interesting is that well it went away after i i had her actually i think it went away later in the pregnancy but she has a very sensitive palate and sense of smell as well like she can pick mm-hmm. up on fragrances very easily and and um her taste is like if you gave her a different kind of mac and cheese, she knew, <laughs> before she even took a bite out of it. This is not like our normal mac and cheese. Sure it is. No, it's not. Okay, fine. I'm sorry. <laughs> it
1: was cheaper. It was on sale. Yeah. Now, And see, that's funny, because my sense of smell did heighten when I was pregnant, but it hasn't gone away. Mm. Um, one of the ways that somebody knew that I was pregnant, we were sitting around at lunch, and I worked with this guy who was He was very regimented. He was a recovering addict. And so he was very regimented in all aspects of his life. And he always had like all of these tubs and he would have his tub of fruit. And he was basically doing that um, 21 day fix before it was a thing. So he had a tub that was specifically sized for his fruits, for his, you know, starches, whatever. And we were having a meeting. So he was like unboxing everything under the table and then bringing it up so that it wasn't making a bunch of noise. And he was in the middle of doing that, and I wasn't paying attention to him. And nobody knew that I was pregnant yet. I was only, like, seven weeks pregnant. And I look around, and I'm like, did somebody Does somebody have something watermelon? This was <laughs> January. So the watermelon was shit. It barely smelled like watermelon to normal people. But somebody looked at me like, damn, are you pregnant? I'm like, uh, and I'm, I'm horrible at lying and hiding things, so I'm like...
0: Maybe. Yep. <laughs>
1: yeah, But yeah, he had opened up a thing of January watermelon under the table, and I could smell it. And that's never gone away. I'll be the first one to say, like, something smells really bad. And then, like, five minutes later, everybody else is like, oh, yeah, we smell it now. <laughs> so having a six-year-old boy really sucks, right? So the <laughs> adage of whoever smelt it, yeah. I have to keep my mouth shut. Because means you always <laughs> it. I have to keep my mouth shut. But yeah, that's, never, that's, that's one that's never gone away. Yeah, I'm a sensory seeker for vestibular things. I do like to be moving. I've always said I do want to try things like... I won't do bungee jumping, but that's because of what it does to your joints. But um, I want to try... Parasailing, and I could do. I think I could do skydiving, but I I understand the dangers involved in how I want to do it. I want to do everything over water, because I feel like at least if you land in the water, you can like you can you know you go down and then you can come back up. If you land on ground, well. I mean, you're just dead. it depends <laughs> whether or not you're landing or you're crashing. Landing True. on
2: water and crashing on water are two very
1: Right, things. and then the, and then there's the whole, if you are skydiving, you're going to have a parachute, so you're going to yeah. get tangled up in it. But yeah, Tom's like, that doesn't make any sense. I'm like, it doesn't have to. It's what I want to do. <laughs> or it's the way that I will try these things. But yeah, I do, I do like to do those thrill things. I like to, I, I do drive fast. I always thought I needed to avoid motorcycles because I worked at a level one trauma center, but then I got on one. And now I really want one, <laughs> and I just I I like when I do wear a helmet, but I like I like those adrenaline things. And I like those
2: things, but then I hear my father in the back of my head telling me how stupid I am, and then it's no longer
1: fun. See, my dad's the one taking me on the motorcycle, so I don't hear that.
2: <laughs> my
1: dad's the one like
2: sitting on the sidewalk, like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess, I think we've. I think we've covered the, yeah. the gamut. yeah About the weirdness that is Stephanie. Both Stephanie's. I You're was going to say, weird. which one? <laughs>
1: We're but all weird. I think, that, I think it's kind of nice being in the rehab field is I always thought I was weird. But then I find out that a lot of these are, you know, normal things. Well, and on that, like I, a couple months ago posted
2: something, um, and I can't remember what it was. But, oh, it was... It was about, you know, like when people say things to you and you say, what was that you said? And right as they start to repeat it, you go, oh, okay, because it takes your brain that long to pick it up and process Mm -hmm.
0: it. There's like a pause. Yeah.
2: And I shared, there was some kind of a meme or something in a mutual friend of uh, Stephanie and I messaged me and was like, dude, I thought my, she was like, I always just called that my, I forget what she said. She always just called that her silly brain or whatever, because she's always been that way and she didn't realize it was a legitimate and the thing. She, and that's
1: when we... Because we went out for lunch or brunch and we started talking about captions on TV. And I think she Correct. started trying captions on t- her TV and found that it was a more enjoyable experience to watch yeah. television that way. Oh, yeah. So I think, And that's,
2: you know, yeah, as more people learn about the sensory things, I think more and more people figuring out like, oh, well, and there this was isn't
1: just me. There was an article a couple weeks ago. Everybody wants to... And I shared... Tangentially, I shared the end result. But everybody wants to jump to the defense and be an advocate for people who have neurological disorders or dysfunction, and especially autistic people. And, Mm -hmm. you know, people who have, and I'm sorry, I meant to say people with autism, people who have autism can, they're... They're somewhat different from other neurological disorders where they can speak for themselves Mm -hmm. or communicate for themselves. They may not necessarily be able to speak, but they can communicate for themselves. And so, someone was saying that we need to stop co opting um, the weighted Weighted blankets. blankets. And someone with autism was like, Are you fucking kidding me? I used to have to, I, I couldn't afford a weighted blanket before because they were crazy expensive, now that they're being normalized, A, I don't feel so weird for having one, and B, I can actually afford it and go to Target to get it. was well, so you can walk into Target and buy a weighted blanket yes. now.
0: Now, granted, I'm the freak that what? has a
1: 25-pound one because it's my barrier and not necessarily for my any sort of anxiety, but... But, I mean,
2: two years ago, if you said weighted blanket, people would yeah. stare at you like you were like, what? I don't understand that. And, yeah, now it's not strange for a mass... Mm-hmm. marketed superstore to carry them.
0: Yeah. I'm just confused by this idea that like we can't like things because they were originally designed for a right. specific group of people. And that's the
1: article that I shared was a woman who has autism saying, "Stop it. Did you actually talk to me about that yeah. before you decided to go out in the world for me and
0: say these things?" Like, but, you know, the takeaway from this is as you said, at least now you know that other people are weird. And have the same problems because it's not a competition we're all fucked up Mm, goodbye. goodbye we are not scientists medical professionals or mental health experts we are simply two people interested in discussing a topic that affects everyone either directly or indirectly we are not expressing expert opinions and anything we say should not replace medical advice or treatment If you're struggling with depression or anxiety, especially if you are thinking of harming yourself or someone else, please seek the help of a mental health or medical professional. The number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. You can also chat with them online. Take care.
2: My Asshole Brain
0: was written and hosted by Amanda Green and Stephanie Coons. Artwork by Doug Tolls. produced by Stephen Beasley, and presented by Grizzly Enterprises. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.